Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Well, good morning, Faith. How you doing today? We hope uh, life has been treating you well. My name is Blake. Always a privilege to be with you. If you're looking for a home church, man, you found it. We celebrate Jesus. We're all about Jesus and just want to encourage you to explore what it means to follow Jesus here with us. We have a lot of great things happening, as you just saw, and I want to encourage you, dive in, get plugged in. Um, I want to kick off and ask you this question. Have you ever struggled putting others first? Let's be honest. Have you? I have. Like, you know, I, I really want to be in charge of my life. I really want to be the one that sets the tone for my life, that oftentimes I will skip past others and focus on myself. I mean, I'm being pretty transparent. I think we all kind of have that wrestle a little bit. In fact, we turn to a book in Philippians, it's a New Testament book, the Apostle Paul, and he puts it this way in, in chapter 2, verse 3 of his book. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than ourselves. Let me pause right there. Turn to your neighbor on your right or on your left and say, you're better than me. Some of us, some of us are like, dude, ain't no way I'm telling that person he's better than me. Like, absolutely not. Truth of the matter, sometimes that's hard to to palate. What Paul is writing here, he's, he's, he's talking about the Jesus example. He's talking about how Jesus views us, how Jesus loves us, the humility that Jesus proclaimed and showed to each and every one of us. And then in verse 4 of uh, chapter 2 of Philippians, says, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You know, it seems simple, right? But it's really hard to practice. Because we live in a day and age and a culture and a time that it's me, me, me. In fact, we make serving self, self-centeredness, selfishness our God. Hey, if it's good for me, then I'll do it. If, if they treat me well, I'll treat them well back. And it's always contingent on us and how we feel. Unfortunately, that's not the example that Jesus has lived with. And it leads me to this. We, we think about the me over the we. We think about, hey, I'm going to start with my focus, my starting point, a personal place, a personal perspective. When Jesus never led his life or encouraged his believers of, uh, who followed him to live a life like that. In fact, he says, hey, value the person to your right. Be willing to give up your life for a friend. But now, more than ever, we see a lot of people engaged and focused on themselves. I have to kind of call myself out. Uh, my wife and I, we just got back from traveling a little bit, and I'm that kind of individual. Uh, I, like, I'm punctual. I hate being late. So I plan and I prep, and I tell my wife, we are leaving on this day at this time. Your bags better be packed, or I'm leaving you. And you kind of, you know, it's an empty threat, like I, I didn't later. So, so I show up after work, and I'm like, hey, uh, 
what's wrong? Like I went and grabbed my bags, I, I put them in the van and, and, and everything's going well. And I'm like, you're not done packing. Like, what have you been doing all day? I've been working, why aren't you packed? You know, and she's like, uh, kind of pauses. And she's like, do you want to do what I do? And I was like, well, I've already thrown my golf clubs in there. I've already thrown my suitcase in there. Do you want to do what I do? Not really thinking. She goes, Blake, she asked me a question. Who all did you pack for? I said, my me, myself, and I. Who did you pack for? She goes, all three kids. I have your information right here. Here's your toiletry bag that you actually forgot on the counter. And then also I packed for myself. So pardon if I'm a little late. You know, I, I, I missed the boat a little bit there. I was thinking about myself and when really I wasn't thinking about the entirety of the family. You ever been there when, when you think about yourself and you miss it? You know, when you think about yourself and you're like, hey, like I'm good, I'm square, but then really we forget the focus of the people around us? See, today I want to talk to you about this key point. If there's anything that you can remember today, it's simply this. Humility makes for great relationships. Humility makes for great relationships. Valuing your neighbor, valuing your spouse, valuing your friends, valuing your coworkers, your boss, those who are in your life, making them a priority, seeing to their interest, seeing to the betterment and a well-being of your life, that will mean you will have great relationships. One author put it this way, and it's great perspective. It says this, the entire population of the world with just one, one minor exception is composed of others. Church, there's almost 7.9 billion people in the world. We live in a very small world. Our world is extremely small. Many, many more people live in this world. So we're going to be in this series for the next few weeks talking about relationships, real relationships. I don't know if you kind of picked up uh, on, on the way we kind of teed it up and set it up because we want you to have authentic, genuine relationships. And the starting point is to incorporate humility in your life. The starting point is to value someone to your right and your left above yourself. The value and the starting point is to say, hey, I care about you. I want to help you with your interest. I don't want to just focus on me. So we're going to click back a little bit to this book in Daniel. Daniel is an Old Testament prophet. Uh, if you're maybe new to the faith and you're trying to figure out what, what the whole Bible is about, it can be somewhat perplexing and, and confusing. We, we like to say this, the Old Testament points to the coming of Jesus, to the life change that Jesus, who he is and what he does and how we can uh, radically change us and make us people full of grace and mercy and love. And, and we see that. So when we look at the Old Testament, we see this theme of Jesus all throughout it. We see principles the stories, the verses, the scriptures all point to Jesus. And that's what we're all about here at Faith. We're all about Jesus. So we see two characters that are going to be prominent in our story today, one by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar and the other by this man of, you guessed it, 
Daniel. Daniel writes this book. The book is full of uh, different visions and dreams. And then Daniel is this man who is exiled. Babylon conquered Jerusalem. And Daniel is part of a noble family, a smart man, a godly man. And what happens in this big, majestic kingdom ruled by Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar has some dreams, has some moments, and he calls and he relies on this devout man of God by the name of the prophet of Daniel. So there'd be many dreams that happen throughout this 12-chapter book, and, and Daniel would come in, and when people weren't understanding it, Daniel would interpret it. And so that's what we're going to find ourselves right now, Daniel chapter 4. And the first piece of advice that we see that we can glean from our text today begins like this, and, and it, it's this. We have to first get out of your own small world. Daniel's going to be teaching us, Nebuchadnezzar's going to be teaching us how to develop humility. And it begins by getting out of our own small world. So join me, Daniel chapter 4, verses 4. You can have it if you read, write, and recite. You're taking notes. You're better to retain what we discuss today. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in the palace in comfort and prosperity. And I want to pause there. Because oftentimes in comfort and prosperity are when we're not prepared for what some, something might take place in our life. Like, let me just maybe contextualize it for our life. A lot of times our, our comfort and prosperity is when everything's going well for our family, whenever the business is clicking, whenever we're getting the promotions, whenever we're getting the money and having all of it added to our savings account and, and everything is going well. And what can happen is we find ourselves in this comfort and, and prosperity that we lose sight of really what God wants to do in our life and some of the things that we need to learn in our life. So Daniel 5 continues, this king, he's writing, and we'll explain why he's writing it at the end. But one night, I had a dream that frightened me. This is the king writing. I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed. So I issued an order calling all the wise men of Babylon so they could tell me my, what my dream meant. When the, all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream. But they could not tell me what it meant. At last, Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. He was named Belteshazzar, after my God, and the spirit of the holy gods in him. So this is what Nebuchadnezzar, he's this man who, if you're a little familiar with the book of Daniel, he begins as this heathen king, but then he becomes holy. So that gives us some hope in this room tonight, or not tonight, but today, excuse me, that, you know, there's individuals who might seem like they're heathens, but God might be playing and doing something in their life where they will become holy. So it's important for us to grasp that and hold that because Nebuchadnezzar teaches us when it comes to developing humility, specifically in our relationships, the first thing we need to do is get out of our own small world. A lot of us live in the same routine, the same rut. We talk to the same people, the same friends, the same business owners. We talk to our same neighbors. And what we find ourselves, it's like Groundhog Day over and over and over again. But if you want to check your humility and develop your humility, it's vital that you work to get out of your own small world. Let's look at another example. This man by the name of Jesus. 
Now, Jesus brings life change to us. He, he came down and, and he died on the cross for each and every one of us. And at the end of the day, we'll talk a little bit more about how to have a relationship with him. And the starting point to fulfillment is, is uh, trusting him as your Lord and leader. But this is Jesus. Let's, let's just frame it up a little bit of where Jesus has been. Jesus lived in comfort and prosperity. Because where did he start? Heaven. Where did he rule? The heavens, the world. And he comes down and he makes himself human and he understands us more than anybody can ever possibly understand us. Jesus was diversified and he worked to get out of his own small world. Let's look at it. Jesus, he lived in Egypt. Egypt at the time was culturally diverse. Religion of the Egyptians were very polytheistic. Polytheism was large. Multiple gods. Educated spoke Greek. And there was architectural marvels in Egypt that we still go and show up to see this day. The pyramids. Wow. How did they do it? Jesus understood the Egyptian culture. Saw the Egyptian culture. Jesus also spent time in Jerusalem with the, the great religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. Jesus spent time by the city of King David in Jerusalem. He revolved himself around the synagogues and the temples. He spoke there, he taught there, the epicenters that happened of Jewish culture in Jerusalem. Jesus was a part of the Jewish festivals and the festivities that happened there. Jesus was diversified with a group of Samaritan people were Jewish people who Jesus was Jewish. The Jewish people didn't get along with the Samaritan people. Samaritan people thought of less than. Who did Jesus bridge that relationship with? Who did Jesus show great love to? Who did Jesus care for? Who did Jesus learn perspective from? Samaritan individuals. We say Jesus was from Nazareth, a small town, almost like everybody knew everybody. And in other words, Jesus was diversified and he worked to get out of his own small world, that small world being the great heavens of all. Think about that. Who would ever want to leave that comfort, that prosperity? The greatest place of all man, of all beings, heaven. Yet Jesus traveled by foot. It wasn't easy. Wide range of people groups he connected with, he encountered. Why? Because it takes work to gain perspective. There's value when we can understand someone's world. The challenge when it comes in our relationships is sometimes we don't put in that work. We don't put in that effort to understand what people have gone through, the life they're living. Sometimes we just want to stand up in our megaphone and say, you're wrong, I don't care for you. When, all of, when truth, reality is, are we working to understand the world they grew up in? What they've experienced? I like to do this practice, I, I guess you would say. Uh, it's an exercise. Uh, my wife's kind of learned through the years that sometimes when I'm talking by myself in my office, uh, I'm not crazy. I, I'm just working through some things. So I do this to help myself understand people's perspective. I literally sit in a chair. I'll set up two just like this. 
Um, and what, maybe it's conflict. Maybe it's some situation that happened that, that didn't really agree with, or maybe it was someone I'm leading or someone that works for me or, or something like that. I'm like, I got to have this hard conversation. So what I'll do is I'll say, hey, I'll pretend like I'm Blake. Uh, not pretend I am Blake. So I'll be like, hey, here's my issue. This is what we're going through. And I'll practice the conversation because I, I want to be polished in it. I want to communicate properly. I want to say the right things. I don't want to uh, dismantle someone or kill confidence. And, and sometimes I can be too direct. You know, I'm one of those personality types like, dude, that just stinks. Why are you doing that? So I try to practice not being so mean or, or too direct. So I'll go through and I'll, and I'll share my side. And then I'll get up, just like this, and I will pretend like I'm the other person. So let's say we're having a conflict, and, and there's Blake over here, Now I'll pretend like, hey, I'm Brittany, like, oh, Blake, you're so great. No, that's my wife. No, this isn't California. I'm kidding. I don't go to that extent. But my point is, I then try to understand the perspective of which if Blake is communicating with me, how do I respond? Like, if I put myself in their shoes in their place, in their world, would what I communicated in my relationship be healthy, be right? Would it be received? I think oftentimes we forget this part. We say, hey, I'm not going to put myself in, in that perspective. I'm not going to put myself in their world. See, Nebuchadnezzar, when you look, when he's teaching us about humility, he teaches us, he, he goes and calls on the enchanters, he calls on the astrologists, he calls on all the wise men of the greatest kingdom, arguably of the world, and to this point, arguably of the world. And he leans in and he says, hey, I need to get out of my small world. Calls in a man by the name of Daniel. You have to work to learn someone's perspective. Secondly, when it comes to developing humility, we need to be willing to check our egos, check your egos. A lot of us have some egos, right? We don't like to be told when we're wrong. We don't like to be told when we made mistakes. We don't like to be corrected. We don't like any of that. But this king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar was willing to go to the extent to say, hey, I'll listen. I'll receive what you have to say, Daniel. Speak to me. So we're going to skip the dream because we're going to rehash it a little bit later. We're going to pick up in verse 19. And this is what is said. Upon hearing this, this, that being the dream, the king is telling Daniel, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, was overcome for a time. So he hears this dream and he's perplexed. He doesn't know how to respond. He doesn't know what to say exactly. And he says, he was frightened by the meaning of the dream Frightened by the meaning of the dream. And then the king said to him, Belteshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream for what it means. Belteshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in the dream would happen to your enemies, my lord, and not to you. So Belteshazzar was this name that was given to Daniel, and Daniel is saying, hey, let me interpret your dream. I don't want it for you, but this is really what's taking place. See, Old Testament kings back then, they wanted yes men around them. They wanted people that cared about them, that loved them, that told them everything was going to be pie in the sky, great, good, nothing to worry about. But Daniel, being a man of God, said he can't just lie to the king. He has to tell him, interpret his dream correctly. 
And so what he does, he, he leans in and, and he tells him. Now, this is huge because his life is at stake. But Nebuchadnezzar, he is like, hey, I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm willing to give you space. I'm willing to give you an opportunity to, to speak into my life, to help Nebuchadnezzar get his ego checked. And that's important for us to understand. That's important for us to see. And I, I want to draw three Real quick points from that text, from that verse 19. First, Nebuchadnezzar created a safe place for someone to be real, vulnerable, and to share with him. You have to open up your life to give people an opportunity to speak some hard truths into your life, to help you get better, to help you be a more joyful person, help you be a better Jesus follower. And then uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he listened he wasn't really saying, hey, I'm just going to kill you because I didn't like the news. He said he actually listened. Now, he listened. Maybe he didn't like it. We'll see that there was some time between Nebuchadnezzar hearing and then Nebuchadnezzar being, in a sense, punished or Nebuchadnezzar not picking up what actually Daniel put down. But then he also created a place where he heard from the right person. It is very easy in this day and age to hear from people who aren't the right people. Daniel, a man of God who cared and who loved God. He was of noble, he studied scriptures. He was a great, wise individual. Nebuchadnezzar listened to him. I want to pause right here because some of us in this place, you're listening to the wrong people. You're questioning your confidence, your calling, how God's designed you, how God's called you to live, lead your life, lead your family's life. And maybe you get wrapped up because some social media post or maybe someone speaks something to you and it's through an email or a text message. I would say, listen to people who will have a boldness and honesty to say, hey, I'm going to talk to you face to face, mano y mano. I ain't going to talk to some, you know, like a lot of times we're quick. Society's quick. Hey, we can get real tough behind a keyboard. See, Nebuchadnezzar, this individual, was willing to listen to a direct approach. And this is the harsh news that he gives the king. Verse 20, we pick up the story. The tree you saw growing was very tall and strong reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in, it, lived in its shade and the birds nested in its branches. This is the dream that da Daniel is interpreting. Verse 22, that tree, your majesty, is you. For you have grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to the heaven and your rule to the ends of the earth. Then you saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump and the roots in the ground bound to an band with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. This is what the dream means, your majesty, and what the Most High has declared will happen to my lord the king so can you imagine this king asks you to interpret a dream and then daniel is saying yeah um you're gonna live with the animals out in the field 
Like, whoo, that takes some, that, like, that's tough right there. And then we see in, in verse 25, it says this, you will be driven from human society and you will live in the fields with wild animals and you will eat grass like a cow and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass and you will live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump of the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice, Daniel says. Stop sinning. Do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps you will continue to prosper. Now, we're going to learn here a little bit. It took Nebuchadnezzar some time, but we did see this. He did demonstrate maturity, and maturity is demonstrated by how well we receive constructive criticism. You know, if you're a king, you had every right to throw this man in another furnace. I mean, didn't it work before? Maybe he'll try again. But there's a point in our life where we have to be real about someone's going to be criticizing our life for a, a... right purpose, for a a good purpose, for a holy purpose. Paul paints it this way in 1 Corinthians 14, 20, says this, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. See, children, they can't take notes. Children struggle when there's discipline. Children really react in times when we say, no, you can't do that. They stomp, they get mad, they yell. Sometimes that translates into our thinking. We can act like children. In fact, Paul goes on, be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. So Nebuchadnezzar, he demonstrated maturity. He listened to Daniel, maybe didn't like what Daniel had to say, maybe didn't agree with what Daniel had to say, but he showed that he's mature because he was willing to listen. He was willing to give in to a godly man and to speak into his life. We also see when it comes to developing humility, we'll understand, we'll understand what brings fulfillment. We understand what brings fulfillment. So we see the king ignored Daniel for approximately a year. And this is what happened, Daniel, verse 29 and 30. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk on a flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, pride instituted right here, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residency to display my majestic splendor. That's what the king says. When Daniel comes along and says, hey, you you need to pause. You need to stop your sin. You need to stop being prideful. You need to stop thinking about yourself. You need to start thinking about others. You need to start thinking about your heavenly God, the, the powerful God that you've experienced early on. You don't need to be wrapped up in in who you are, but be wrapped up in who God is. In fact, a lot of times we feel like fulfillment comes from what we accumulate, what we grab, what we get, what our status is in society, what kind of cars we drive, house we live in. Hey, can I have a five-bedroom house so each of my kids can have their own rooms? Maybe we, we look at that and we judge and say, hey, that will bring me fulfillment. And Daniel's saying, that will not bring you fulfillment. So in verse 31 of chapter 4, we see, while these words were still on his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, 
This message is for you. You no longer are the ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields of the wild animals, and you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass, and while you live this way, until you learn that the most high rules over every kingdom of the world, and this will give, and he will give them to anyone he chooses. The same hour the judgment was fulfilled, and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. Talk about a fall. A man with pride, a man with stature, descending to eating grass like cows. See, humility is essential to each and every one of our relationships. Humility is essential for our fulfillment. First, our fulfillment comes from God. Remember how I talked about how Nebuchadnezzar was a heathen, then he turns to being holy. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 34, we see redemption, restoration. It says, after this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, I looked up to heaven. My sanity returned, and I praised and worshiped the most high and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting, and his kingdom is eternal. Nebuchadnezzar goes through an experience and yet is driven back to who God is. So first, fulfillment comes with God. You might be in this place right now. You might be searching for fulfillment. Maybe in your relationships are struggling. Maybe whatever you're going through and you try to keep accumulating, keep possessing, keep prospering. Well, true fulfillment, if you ever want that reach, begins with a relationship with God. We find a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's, it's, church, it's really quite that simple that Jesus gave up his life for each and every one of us, that God raised him three days later, and he conquered death, he conquered sin, fulfilling all the Old Testament prophecies, and he did it for you and me. He atoned for our sins on the cross so that we wouldn't have to go through the cross. Fulfillment begins with God. Our relationships first start vertically. When we understand what Jesus has done for us, then we understand just how much he cares for everyone in this room. To our neighbors to our left, neighbors to our right, front and back, everyone around us. When we see what Jesus has done in our lives, others matter. So Nebuchadnezzar, this heathen, going through a, going through a process, turned holy. Fulfillment doesn't, it starts with God, but then it also moves to people. Nebuchadnezzar on the spiritual high, understand the, who, who has the power, understand the greatness and the goodness of God. He writes this decree, and Daniel puts it in this book, in Daniel's writings, and he wants everybody in the kingdom to know this. And let's go back to very part of the chapter, very first part. King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders of the Most High God has performed for me. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to share his story, his experience, his fall from pride to a life of humility with everybody around. 
Scripture says he's, he's, he was humbled, and God humbles the pride, proud. You know, it's one of those moments where we have to ask ourselves, are my relationships being led and being fueled by the humility that God has given us, shown us, displayed to us? When we look back at Philippians in our opening text, it's the Jesus example that Jesus left heavens. He left the comfort of heaven. He left the prosperity of heaven for each and every one of us. If you want a great relationship, if you want to have a great marriage, great friends, it begins with humility. It's a starting component, starting ingredient. Jesus was asked at a certain point in, in the gospel, Matthew, he says, what's the greatest command? And he says first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. And then he, he, he switches over and he says this, the second is equally important. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Serve them. Humble yourself before them. Say, hey, I want to pursue your interests just as well as anything. I'm going to view you better than me. I'm going to care for you. It doesn't say that we have to wait for a response. It says that's what we do. Church, our vision here is simply this, to be people and to show people that they matter. They matter, so we'll share Jesus. They matter, so we will serve the church. They matter, I'll give them a ride. They matter, I'll pray for them. They matter, I'll speak truth in love. They matter, I admit I can make mistakes. They matter, I'll be sensitive to God's spirit. They matter, I will receive and discern constructive criticism. Church, people matter. Humble ourselves before others. Let's not try to impress one another, but let's lead a life that God's called us to lead. Like we see that Nebuchadnezzar led. So I want to leave you with these two challenges. The first, who do you this next week need to put first? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe you're going through some hard things. Maybe it's a friend, parent. Maybe it's a child. Maybe you need to position them in a, a certain place that you haven't and then we're going to lead to this, not just a who, but a how. How are you going to demonstrate that you're going to humble yourself before those closest to you? Look, we want you to have vibrant relationships. Part of that is being and leading a life of humility. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand, we're going to sing. I'm going to invite our prayer team down, um, and you guys can keep coming down now. And let's just pray real quick, church. Lord, we give you this moment right now. Lord, we pray for those people who are looking to start a relationship with you, who are understanding fulfillment doesn't necessarily, uh, it isn't found in this world, it's found in you. We're praying for those who are, who are going through that situation, through that discernment process. Lord, we're praying right now that you move. May they just humble themselves before you and start a relationship with you through your son, Jesus. Give them a boldness to get out of their chairs and to come forward and seek prayer and seek friendship and to seek genuine relationships with our prayer partners. Lord, we also pray right now for those who are in this place who are struggling to humble themselves amongst their relationships. Maybe they need to admit some wrongs. Maybe they need to uh, readjust their mindset. Lord, whatever's taking place, Lord, we pray your spirit penetrates their heart right now and that you lead them and that you guide them into a life-transforming relationship so that they can be better than the way they came in. In your great and holy name, we all say. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, 
we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.